0: There's a well-known statistic across my specialty that the average woman will suffer with pelvic disorders for approximately six
1: years before they seek treatment. It's tempting to keep anything that's less than perfect in our lives hidden, to see things that don't seem right or that feel strange, and hide them away in fear of being judged. It's hard to open up, to let people know when something you consider private isn't going as planned. But it shouldn't be. So, in this episode of Overheard from Overlake, let's take a look at some of those issues commonly thought of as shameful or secret, and why that shouldn't be the case. This is Overheard from Overlake Medical Center. A healthy dose
0: of stories about award-winning, compassionate, and patient-centered care. Our care is all about
1: you. When you think about the phrase pelvic health, what often comes to mind is the bones. Those big, strong supports that span the width of a body. They give a person hips, a point from which the legs grow long. They keep the torso balanced and the core strong. They feel indestructible. And they're not. And that's scary. You wear sunscreen because you know that you can get skin cancer. You stretch after working out because you know that you could hurt your joints if you don't. But what you can do to protect your pelvis and pelvic area is nowhere near as clear.
0: Pelvic health, I think, is kind of like waist and knees, anything that can kind of go wrong in that general vicinity. Patients can have incontinence of urine, Patients can have herniation of vaginal tissues or prolapse, as it's more commonly called. There can be pelvic pain issues, sexual dysfunction issues, bladder issues, bowel issues.
1: Dr. Julie Lacombe is a specialist at Overlake, working in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. She's worked in pelvic medicine for over a decade. I mean, here we are
0: taking care of our family, taking care of our careers, taking care of our relationships, and we're you know working out, and we're eating healthy, and all of a sudden, this very important part of our body, our our pelvis, it's it houses the birth center, it houses our sexuality in some ways. Suddenly, it betrays us. It does something to us when we've done everything <laughs> to, to take to take care of ourselves. And so, I do have patients that get a little anxious and angry about the whole situation.
1: Gynecological issues aren't new. In fact, they're described in the oldest known Egyptian medical text, the Kahun Gynecological Papyrus, which dates back to around 1800 BCE. It chronicles gynecological diseases, fertility, pregnancy, contraception, and more. It was thought that issues with the womb affected all of a person's body, a theory that would be furthered by the Greek physician Hippocrates. Hippocrates theorized that women had what was called a wandering womb, also known as hysteria. It was a creature inside a creature, a living thing that had a mind of its own and changed that of its owner depending on where in the body it moved to. It was susceptible to scents, traveling towards nicer ones and away from the less pleasant. For treatment, women were often told to chew garlic and smear honey on their vagina to lure their womb back to its proper place. A wandering womb was said to cause heart problems, liver problems, respiratory problems, not to mention a whole host of neurological issues, from headaches to epileptic seizures. Your womb, the thing that created life, was something that controlled you. It took away your independence, leaving you susceptible to its every whim. And while scent therapy was thought to help, the main treatments were marriage, sex, and pregnancy. Hysteria and the wandering womb remained popular into the 20th century. In the medieval ages, it was linked to possession. In the 17th century, physicians theorized it was due to the overuse of the female mind. Hysterical women were prescribed months-long bed rest, with no visits from friends and family, and absolutely no mentally strenuous activities, such as reading and writing. This just happened to be a time when women were increasingly seeking higher education. Ovariotomies, or the removal of the ovaries, and hysterectomies, removal of the uterus, became quite popular in the Victorian era as a solution for hysteria. Eventually, the diagnosis of hysteria and wandering womb became less common as mental health treatment evolved and the practice of gynecology developed. Now at Overlake, Dr. Lacombe sees all kinds of patients and tailors her treatment plans to meet their individual needs and chewing on garlic to make your womb move in the right direction is not one of them.
0: One of my favorite non-invasive treatments is uh, physical therapy for pelvic floor disorders. And even in patients who ultimately do opt for surgical intervention, I often recommend physical therapy in the preoperative period to help rehab the pelvis and then once they've recovered from surgery we also will recommend physical therapy in the post-operative period as well. In patients who don't have surgery, pelvic floor physical therapy can be very effective um, for both pelvic pain syndromes and urinary incontinence symptoms. There are non-invasive treatments for incontinence, there are non-invasive treatments for prolapse. My specialty doesn't deal with life or death type of scenarios. My specialty deals with quality of life scenarios. So when I'm talking to patients about treatment options, in my specialty, my patients actually participate very actively in the choice that they make in terms of treatment.
1: For centuries, the pelvic region was condemned as the reason for women's ineptitude. It was why they couldn't participate in politics, or get an education, or work outside the home. It was looked at as something shameful, and the ghosts of those ideas live on. Better to live with the discomfort than to have to interrupt your life by going to a doctor, or risk having to talk about the fact that you have a uterus, or vagina, or pelvis.
0: You know, back in the day, urinary incontinence, bowel dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, people just weren't super comfortable talking about that. But I think as urogynecology and female pelvic reconstructive surgery specialties have become um, more prominent in the community and across the country, that the conversation is starting to be more, more accepted. I have patients even now that come to me and say that one of the reasons they didn't seek treatment earlier is because they were told by another physician that it was something that was a normal part of aging or a normal part of the fact that they had had children. So that's, that drives me a little crazy because of course my specialty exists because it's not normal for these things to be happening to women as they age or after childbearing. Our
1: attitude towards it is beginning to change. Slowly, we're beginning to see pelvic issues as we do any others, as something that happens and is treated, as something that doesn't have to be hidden. That's something Dr. Lacombe was sure to mention in her interview, that treatment doesn't just involve treating the symptoms, it's about educating the patient on why they occurred. Because
0: I don't deal with urgent or emergent issues, my patient care approach is to really educate the patient on what's going on with their body and how it happened, to really educate the patient on what their treatment options are from, from the least invasive all the way into a surgical approach, which can also be minimally invasive as it turns out, and to really offer the patient the power and the independence to participate in their treatment
1: options. It's amazing to see how pelvic health has evolved, to see women's complaints taken seriously, to be given a voice and a solution that will actually help, instead of tie them down or hide them away. But it's not the only illness or issue that people feel uncomfortable with. Dr. Tian Wen is a bariatric surgeon at Overlake.
2: Bariatric medicine is the treatment of obesity. And so we're talking specifically about patients who are 80 pounds, hundred pounds overweight, uh, or even less, you know, it could be less. And we use things like lifestyle and behavioral changes, but also we use medications, prescription medicines, and then obviously surgeries. Uh, obesity is a disease and it also leads to other diseases, such as diabetes and uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, fatty liver. And all those things can be uh, very effectively treated with a person being able to lose a lot of weight.
1: Bariatric surgery is unique in a lot of ways. With one operation, a person can potentially be cured of numerous medical diseases, including diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, and arthritis. It's a pretty new innovation as far as the entire span of history goes. Which is to say that it's been around since the 1950s, when jejunocol bypass surgery was first performed at the University of Minnesota. Of course, it's improved a lot since that first surgery. In just the 10 years that he's been in Overlake, Dr. Wen has noticed a lot of things changing.
2: Surgeons now are, you know, specifically trained in bariatric surgery, and um, the uh, Da Vinci surgery system is now available. It's uh, it's a very uh, uh, sophisticated surgical system, uh, computer-controlled. Uh, uh, the surgeon uh, controls the system at a console. It uh, allows for very precise um, operations uh, through tiny incisions. It has a 3D camera. And so it, you know, a lot of surgeries, complex surgeries are uh, heading in that direction. and. Uh, And so that's the future of our surgery.
1: But fear and insecurity because of one's weight is a lot older. In prehistoric times, having fat on the body gave a person a genetic edge. When food was scarce, people needed to store backup reserves of energy, because you couldn't always guarantee when or where you would find your next meal. Take the statue called Venus of Willendorf. Discovered in 1908, It's believed to have been carved during the Old Stone Age, dating back to somewhere between 28,000 and 25,000 BCE. It depicts a woman, her figure round, with large breasts and stomach. While most of what we know is conjecture, it is thought to be a representation of a mother goddess or goddess of fertility. In other words, a state to be admired, worth the trouble of carving and presumably carrying with you as a sign of worship or reverence. To have access to enough food and be fortunate enough not to need to do physical labor was an impossibility for most lower-class citizens throughout much of history. In Europe during the Middle Ages and Renaissance, as well as in ancient East Asian civilizations, it was a sign of prosperity to be large for this reason. To be large was to be beautiful, as was being light-skinned. They both denoted that you didn't need to work and had never suffered from food shortages or starvation. Similar to during the Stone Age, to be large was to be capable of providing for yourself and your family. As time progressed and food and non-physical work became more easily obtainable, being obese fell out of fashion. It was looked at as a moral failing. To be large was to be lazy or incapable. A person might hear questions like, why can't they just do better with their diet or why can't they just exercise more? Why aren't they willing to take care of themselves? And that's an attitude that's still common today. You see it in every article about a celebrity's love handles, or a story about eating disorders, about trying to meet some perfect standard of looks and health, and there isn't one. But it's easy to see why a person wouldn't want to talk about their weight, would ignore it in hopes that if they do, others will too. Bariatric medicine is about being healthy about helping people prevent the diseases that are a common result of obesity. It's about working one-on-one with people as individuals to make sure that their personal needs are met. It's a long process, and that's okay.
2: What patients will find when they come here is that we uh, take our time, we work with the patient, we keep on top of things to make sure that things are getting better, Done, and all the requirements are met, and work with patients in terms of any unique special needs and, and concerns. And so, I think they will feel that uh, they get very personal treatment and then be able to get to their goal. And uh, I think that's very important because uh, this, this whole field and process can take, you know, months.
1: It's still scary to think about what could go wrong with your body. It's easy to just look away from your issues, to ignore them until they reach a point so desperate that you don't have a choice anymore. To hope that maybe by ignoring your problems, so will everyone else. And even with help and support, facing a problem is only the start. With pelvic health, and especially with bariatric surgery and weight loss, a lot of the treatment is dependent on you. Surgery isn't the be-all, end-all when it comes to weight loss. It's a tool. Something that can help to, as Dr. Wen puts it, make hard choices a little easier. In
2: terms of outcomes, it does vary. You know, the safer, more readily available options like lifestyle changes, education, and uh, dieting or uh, exercise, those things are very readily available. And they can be very effective as long as the patient maintains that. The reality, too, is that uh, many patients, the majority of patients, have a difficult time maintaining that, continuing that for more than a few months or a year or or years. And in those patients, they will regain their weight back. Um, Adding medications to the treatment plan can help uh, increase the success rate and extend the success rate or the time of success. But even then, there's You know, patients who will not lose as much weight as they need to, 100 pounds or 50 pounds or so forth. And so in a small percentage of those patients, they uh, qualify for weight loss surgery and they need the weight loss surgery because nothing else has really worked. After surgery, people make the right choices because they're the easier choices. They, They don't eat very large meals because it doesn't feel good. It's much easier to eat small, healthy meals. It's uh, easier now to exercise after losing, you know, 80 or 100 pounds.
1: Not every problem can be fixed, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Start looking at those secrets head on, those hidden shadows that you notice just from the corner of your eye. And look at the pattern that they create, the web of stories and thoughts and life that they tell entangled as they are with the things, the thoughts, the emotions, the body, that make up what you love. Being able to look at those issues and preparing for any that might pop up in the future is how you stay strong. Overlake works hard, making sure that it's a place where people feel welcome and like they can share those secrets. You can tell how deeply both Dr. Lacombe and Dr. Wen care about their patients, how much they want them to feel proud, and more importantly, to feel comfortable.
2: It's driven by the patient and what they're ready for and what they want. If a patient and their doctor feels like they need to lose weight, but they're not really sure what they want, or if the patient uh, isn't sure about surgery, then we can have them see our uh, medical weight loss specialist and our dietitian, and they can work on the lifestyle and behavior changes and then also offer medication. So doing this without surgery And, you know, some patients will decide, oh, uh, you know, I want something even more, uh, have more weight loss, and this is, you know, not as uh, effective as I'd like, and so they can opt for surgery.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Overheard from Overlake. I'm your host, Sarah Leibovitz. We are produced by Twisted Scholar in partnership with Large Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and subscribe so you can hear what comes next. Next time on Overheard, the big ones, your heart and your lungs. We focus on any diseases relating to the lungs, uh, whether it's a common cough or you can't breathe, so anything relating to the lungs.
0: This is Overheard from Overlake Medical Center a healthy dose of stories about award-winning medical professionals, and patient-centered care for the East Side.
1: Overlake Medical Center. Compassionate care for every life we touch.